On the show today is Dwayne Daniels. Dwayne is best known for playing Principal Clemens in Veronica Mars, both the TV series and the movie. Stay tuned for that interview. Hello and welcome to the show. I'm your host, Benjamin Mary McKay, and thank you for joining me today. As I said, I'll be talking to Dwayne Daniels today. Now, Dwayne is best known for playing Principal Clemens in Veronica Mars, uh, the, all three seasons of the cult TV series, as well as the crowd-funded movie. Uh, and he talks about uh, working on the TV series and the film. And Dwayne now teaches acting all around the world, and he shares some of his insights into uh, teaching acting. So here's that interview. Enjoy. Well, welcome to the show, and thank you for joining me today. It is my pleasure, thanks. Now, who or what inspired you to become an actor? Uh, I think that I, I just, when I was a kid, I always wanted to sing and show off and be the center of attention. So it started pretty early uh, when I was a kid. I never really wanted to be anything else, frankly. You know, I wanted to be a singer or a dancer or a comedian, but always it was something in the entertainment field. Mm. So can you talk us through your career journey? I'll try, sure. You know, I was, uh, uh, I, I liked acting as a kid and I did what I could in community theaters and stuff. And pretty soon, I, I, when I became a teenager, I found out I could sing as well. So I was a chorus boy in a lot of theater shows. Uh, you know, I've done all the big musicals and all that stuff. I started out as a chorus boy and then eventually they gave me some lines and pretty soon I was being paid, you know, a little bit to be an actor and that was nice. And then you just try to keep going. And so I kept going for a very long time, uh, mostly theater. I didn't even think about TV or film until much later. Uh, so I did theater. I became an artistic director. I founded a company in San Diego, California called the Fritz Theater. And I ran it for 18 years. So that was a big chunk of my career. And uh, I got in a, a, a play called Triple Espresso, which is played many places in the world um and uh, i got a chance to tour and do that show uh for you know many many years also and then eventually i found my way into being a television actor a little bit a little bit of film and so you know the horizons kept on broadening for me in my work and uh now i do a lot of teaching and uh some directing and sometimes produce and i still act now and again so very very so, busy over the last few years Oh, yeah. Well, it certainly has been a lot of fun. <laughs> well, as you mentioned, you've worked in various mediums, TV, film, theatre, music theatre. Do you have a favourite? Well, I, you know, I think I most... I try to always enjoy the thing I'm doing right now. I really mm. do. But, uh, you know, overall, you can't, you know, deny the numbers and the kind of financial rewards that you might get from TV and film. Uh so I, I, I'm really sort of enjoying that. I still, theater, though, is in my blood and is still really my core art form. Uh, so, I, you know, I, I'm kind of happy to do whatever today's, today's gig is. Mm. So which <laughs> yeah. do you think is the most challenging to grasp? Uh, well, I think each, each aspect has a different challenge to it. You know, the, the pressure of a live audience in theater and, you know, not having a second take that's quite a skill and i think most actors would consider stage acting to kind of be advanced acting 
uh, on film, you get a second take or a third take or a tenth take, as many as you might need. And obviously, you know, skilled actors in both are, are kind of amazing. But a lot of people, I think, might look at the discipline of being a stage actor. You know, eight shows a week. You can't stop in the middle. You can't go back. Uh, as being the more challenging and kind of more... And I think a lot of film directors and television directors recognize stage actors as being sort of advanced and they'll kind of nurse them along a little more quickly in the TV and film medium than they might people who don't have that background. Mm. So, I mean, you've taken on other challenges like teaching. When did you decide that you wanted to, I suppose, impart your wisdom? Well, uh, thanks for assuming I have some. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um, I... uh, I became a director, uh, you know, for theater in the early 90s, and uh, that's that's sort of when I began teaching. You know, I didn't know it when I first began, but really directors are teaching the actors uh, and coaching them in the roles that they're currently playing. So, you know, it, it begins as a natural process, I think, as soon as you start directing. And then eventually I realized that I was kind of getting good at helping actors excel and overcome each individual challenge. Each actor has to make a different adjustment. And I I started to think I was finding a lot of success in that. And and that led me into uh, coaching and teaching. And now I do, you know, quite a bit of coaching and teaching. I'm actually also writing a, a book on a tech, the acting technique that I espouse, which is its own technique. Uh, it's, it's, it doesn't even really have a name yet. Uh, we call it the workhouse technique because that's where I'm teaching it right now. Uh, but uh, so, you know, it, it's, it's a fascinating field, acting, which is really kind of studying human nature and, you know, communication. Mm. So you teach both in France and in Phoenix. I mean, pretty bit- Pretty big jump there. How did you start teaching in France? Um, I was so fortunate that uh, years ago, I think I mentioned the Fritz Theater, someone that I had worked with there who had worked alongside me as a producer for about three of those 18 years. Her name is Andrea Marden. And she, you know, she worked with me for a while and, you know, she eventually took a different job in a different state and and, and moved on. But several years after that, she contacted me and let me know that she had started the school in France and would I like to come teach? And I said, yes. And uh, when I got there, she was very effusive about, uh, you know, that the school in France that she started, it's called the Berridge Conservatory. That's Berridge, B-E-R-R-I-D-G-E, Berridge Conservatory. She started there and it was largely, you know, due to the influences perhaps that we'd had on each other back in the day at the Fritz Theater. Uh, and, you know, she now runs that school and I go there and I teach each summer. I'll also be doing a, uh, some teaching this summer in uh, London and Oxford and Paris, etc. But the, the core teaching program that I have in Europe is uh, at the Barrage Conservatory, which is in northern France. It's a four-week program there. And this will be my seventh year teaching there when I go back in late June. That's very, very impressive. Thank you. I'm glad you're impressed by that because uh, uh, it certainly is it's certainly a lot of fun. Uh, and I'm really glad to get a chance to, to do it. The other teachers that I have there are, are are brilliant that I get to work alongside and the setting is phenomenal. We, we bring students there, they're high school through college age. Um, 
uh, acting uh, kids and, you know, young adults. And um, it's a very intimate program. We cover Shakespeare and improvisation. We have a film program on camera. Uh, just the dance, you know, uh, movement, voice, uh, music, just kind of everything gets covered in the four-week program in Normandy, France. Mm. Well, yeah, so it's it's a great program, and I'm, I'm gearing up for this summer's excursion as we speak. Wonderful. Well, I suppose as a teacher, do you think that everyone, to some extent, can act? Yes, I definitely do. Uh, and, you know, I think of... I say this a lot about music as well and people singing because a lot of people think that they need to sing well or else they're not allowed to sing. And I think that's, you know, that's that's not the way we should look at it. I, I got a chance to do a show in Dublin once. And so one of the things I love so much about the culture there was that everybody sings. They don't, it doesn't matter. You don't have to sing well, just sing. And, you know, it, it let me know, it kind of awakened in me that I think that music and I think even acting, which is ultimately just storytelling, is a human need. And it does you don't have to be the best at it. You don't have to be George Clooney in order to get it to, to tell a story. So I think that every human being has not only the ability but also the right and almost the responsibility to tell stories. And you don't have to be the best storyteller. Who cares? Tell your story your way. We all innately as human beings have that ability, that right, and even that responsibility. Mm. Well, speaking of storytelling, what's been your favorite project to work on so far? Well, I'm very, very grateful that I got a chance to be a part of the company of Veronica Mars, the TV show, which is probably how you even might know who I am. Yeah, it is. Yeah, you know, it's. It, I'm so grateful to, and, and I, I think I really got lucky just being kind of chosen for that ensemble. And um, uh, I, I'm really grateful and pleased, and, and it's it's it continues to to pay dividends. I mean, just the fact that I get to meet and have a conversation with you is something that would never would have happened without that show. So that and that's been one of my favorite things to work on for me personally and then you know at the same time i you know the people that were on that show were are really lovely wonderful people and uh i'm so glad i got a chance to meet them and be a part of that and i hope to do something like it sometime again soon Mm. so has there been one project or experience you saw as a turning point for your career um well one thing that's a great question Uh, you know each day is a turning point isn't it Mm. Uh, I, I will say that when I began my theater company called the Fritz Theater in San Diego, it, that was definitely a turning point when I decided to go from being an, a, you know, an actor who gets hired by other people to becoming a producer who hires actors. And that became, you know, instead of waiting for my phone to ring, now my phone is ringing because people were hoping I call them. You know, it was a big change in my life to go from actor to producer. And, uh, and, I'm really glad that that I did that, and I still sort of like to take initiatives like that, whether it's starting this actor's workhouse where I teach in Phoenix. I'm sort of, I'm really just producing a a class, uh, a series of classes and acting instruction, and we do productions here as well. So I kind of can't resist the urge to, to go from where there's nothing and then make something from it, uh, like a theater company or like an acting school, uh, 
yeah, I, I, I take a great deal of pleasure in taking that initiative and, and kind of knowing a little bit of, about how to make those things, you know, work in the in the long run. Mm. Well, I suppose as an actor myself, I know that there's not a lot of work out there and you have to create your own work. So is that sort of why you started your production company? Well, yeah. And, you know, this was, uh, I think it was kind of for the same idea. It was a different climate. I mean, this would have been like 91. So it was a much different climate for actors. I mean, competition was, has always been part of our, our work and our challenge. Um, and it, indeed, when I started my own company, it was because I wasn't getting the opportunities to do the types of work that I wanted to get the opportunities to do. I was finding a lot of contemporary, like contemporary theater, a little bit edgy and a little bit, you know, challenging and issue-oriented kind of theater. And I, I wasn't seeing opportunities for that. I could be in the chorus of, you know, My Fair Lady again, but I wasn't getting the opportunity to do, you know great writers like Paula Vogel or, you know, um, Susan Laurie Parks or, or some of these types of writers that I was a lot more interested in. And so that's why I started my company really was so that a, a, a type of work and, a, and a, a work I thought needed to be produced wasn't being produced in my, you know, circle. Mm. So you've played now quite a wealth of roles. Have you ever had to take any specific training before playing a role? That is an interesting question. Um, yeah, I've had to. I had to learn the guitar to play uh, to to do a role once uh, in that show, Triple Espresso. They were like, "Well, you have to learn how to play the guitar," and I was like, "Okay." So I studied really hard, and it wasn't complex, but I still had to play it live on stage. Uh, so I, you know, I've had to do that before. Um, uh, Let's see. Yeah, I can't really think of anything that I where I have gone like and taken uh, you know horseback riding classes for a western. I haven't done any <laughs> westerns, but I'm happy to do that. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to do that. I think you know I'm constantly in the conversation of being an actor, so I try to be kind of prepared before I need to be prepared. So, uh, but uh, there's a lot I still haven't learned, and uh, but I, I can't really, outside of learning the guitar for that role, I can't think of any other challenge specifically like you ask. That's all right. Now, you talked about preparation. So how do you prepare before playing a role? Well, this, this goes to, you know, kind of my acting school, and... So there's a couple of things that I'll look for. And since you're an actor, I'll drop these and, and, and uh, you might be able to, uh, to relate. Uh, I'm looking for certain ideas. And some of the phrases that I use is I'm looking for the powerful story. And that's not always on the page. Hmm. Uh, and I'm looking, one way I might try to find the powerful story is to consider the opposite. So oftentimes I'm going to look at my line of dialogue and I'm going to consider the opposite. Is the opposite possibly what's really going on? And it isn't always the opposite, but I do want to try to find a point of view for the line of dialogue that is in opposition to the line of dialogue, not within the text, something outside of the text to bring to the text. So that's what I'm looking for. And I think the powerful story happens outside of the words, not within the words. Mm, it has to, to create a well-rounded character. Well, I think that's part of being human is to be, you know, the, the phrase that you chose is well-rounded, and, and, and that's, that's true. 
you know, actors get a chance to rehearse their lives and then they get on stage. And so they do, they, they, they want to, they tend to perform perfectly, but in real life, we don't perform perfectly. We're yeah. navigating our waters. And so I want to try to find an element, what we call the state of surprise, that I can still be in a state of surprise in my life while I'm doing the scene that I rehearsed. Mm. So, so it's an interesting line to try to walk, to, to not, in a sense, not allow yourself to give the performance that you're planning to give. Absolutely. Quite a fine balance to walk there. Isn't it interesting? Yeah, it is. Uh, everything's, every coin's got two sides. And so, uh, you know, the, we... We identify here something called actor brain and character brain. And actor brain is the person doing the job. You're, you know, you're at the audition maybe, or you're in rehearsal even, or you're on stage on opening night, and the actor brain knows that. And the other thing we want to identify is character brain. The character brain, what is the character thinking in the circumstances of the scene? And the actor brain and character brain have to coexist very nicely together in order to get a good performance out. Uh, a lot of acting schools would suggest that the goal is to be 100% character brain uh, in performance, but we we can't really do that. That isn't practical, it's not real, and it isn't even useful. We need the actor brain because the actor brain was at rehearsal. Absolutely, yeah. So what would you say has been the most difficult role you've ever had to play? Well, uh, the most difficult role... One of the most challenging roles I've had to play is the role of Sweeney Todd in the musical Sweeney Todd. Yeah. Yeah, you're familiar with the show. Yeah, are you yes, I am. Yeah. A musical as well, Benjamin? Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah, I played Sweeney Todd like three times. And I know that having to do, sometimes he had a three o'clock matinee and a seven o'clock show at night or something. So to have to do Sweeney Todd twice in a day is really challenging. It would uh, be. Vocally, physically. Well, I mean, how do you keep your energy levels high and sustain your voice when you're doing two shows a day or eight shows a week? Um, you know, the nice thing about it, hopefully, is that, you know, that that's your job in those circumstances. So my entire day is geared around my eight o'clock performance or my matinee and my evening performance. So whatever else I need to do in support of that, it might be take a nap, it might be eat some the right kind of foods, it might be take a walk in the park, it might be you know, do some, you know, take a run. Everything that I'm going to do is really the whole, the whole rest of my day is around what I have to do at eight o'clock. And so that's, that's, that's sort of my whole day is geared toward that. And it could be resting the voice. It could be sleeping. It could be eating things. Uh, and secondly, you know, that show I mentioned, Triple Espresso, I've done about 2,000 performances of that show all around, you know, the United States wow. and, and some places in Europe. Uh, you know, you know, the audience is fresh every night. For them, it's always their first experience. Not always their first, but certainly it's a special event for them. Even if for you it doesn't feel like a special event, it's just another show. So I want to make sure to really give the audience all the energy that they might want. And, and I try not to forget that. Mm. Well, as you mentioned, you've played Sweeney Todd quite a few times in your career now. What is it that you love about the show? Well, I, uh, the first time I did Sweeney Todd, actually, I was in the chorus. And it was way back when Sweeney Todd was a brand new show. I didn't know anything about it. I, as a matter of fact, at the same time I had been offered uh, a chorus role in Sweeney Todd, I was also offered at the same time, this is back in Cleveland, Ohio, when I was a kid, 
a, you know, a teenager. I had also been offered uh, Oklahoma, the chorus of Oklahoma at this other theater. And I thought, well, I know Oklahoma's fun. I don't know this other show. And as something told me, well, all right, I'm going to try this Sweeney Todd show. No, not knowing really anything about it. I'd auditioned for it, uh, but I, I did, still didn't know anything about it. And anyway, when I got there and I started learning the music, I was like, wait a second. This is way different than anything I've ever done before. And, you know, we got to what we call the sits probe. Mm-hmm. You, you, you yeah. The, the sing-through of the music. Yeah, the and once thing. I kind of heard the whole show being sung by these amazing singers that I was having the pleasure of working with, my, my, my world was changed, I think, forever. I didn't know you could do that. And of course, now it might be a little bit passe, but at the time, I didn't know you could write a musical about a guy who killed people and, you know, ground them in a meat pies. I didn't realize that was something you could do. <laughs> and once I found out you could do that, it sort of opened up my, the idea for me as to, let's see, what else can we do that I didn't know you could do? And I think that led me away from, you know, being in the chorus of My Fair Lady and led me more into the path I eventually took, which is more experimental theater um, and contemporary theater and other art forms like that. Uh, Sweeney Todd was a big, I think, a big turning point um, when I got cast in that by the director, Fran Soder. I will forever be appreciative to him. And... Um, uh, it really changed my life to this very day. I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you right now if not for that particular initial experience. Mm. Well, you talked about doing edgy and experimental theatre. What's one, I suppose, modern theatre piece you'd like to do you haven't done yet? Um, let's see. I There's a, a number of roles I am interested in. You know, I actually am working currently on... Uh, a musical theater piece that I am writing um, in conjunction with a musical band called All Right, All Right. And they, uh, they're, they're sing- the lead singer, Michael Sweeney, uh, has written a great deal of awesome music that I am working with a team now and turning into a new musical theater piece. So if your listeners get a chance, look at, look at the, if you Google all right, all right. Uh, you're going to find a lot of confusing stuff. But if you Google all right, all right, and then you are one of us now is the name of one of their main albums. And you'll find the musical band All Right, All Right. And I'm working right now with a team to develop uh, uh, a piece based on that. And I hope to go into workshop on it by the end of this year. Mm, that sounds very, very exciting. Yeah, I'm excited. Thank you. So what would you consider your ideal project to work on? Uh, well, I... I am certainly, as I say, I'm in development on that musical theater piece, which I'll be, uh, I'm producing and I'll be directing. Um, I, I would like to go back into some, I'd like to find some more episodic television advantages for myself. You know, I came here to Phoenix, Arizona to, cause my mom is here. And I look after her, uh, but I still get out to LA once in a while. And so, uh, I'm, I'd like to find a little, I, I, I don't, I'd like to find my way back onto a TV show of some kind. Well, speaking yeah. Well, speaking of TV, let's uh, yeah. let's talk a bit about Veronica Mars, and you're probably most well known, at least in Australia, for your role on the show. What was the audition process like when it started? Um, it was it was quick and kind of easy for me and my part. You know, the other guys, I'm sure they had a much more painful process than I did because. 
you know, when I came in in the pilot, it was, you know, several lines, and, and I guess they probably knew my character was going to continue, but, uh, you know, it started as a, as a small part and kind of built over the over the series, and so, you know, my audition process was, was pretty easy, you know, uh, I had a relationship with the casting director, was someone I, I already knew, Candace Paul, and she's still in casting, and, and um, so she brought me in for it, and I got to meet with Rob Thomas, and, and uh, I read the scene a couple of times, and I think we had a few, exchanged a few pleasantries, and I went on my way, and then eventually I got word that I'd been chosen. Wonderful. It's always nice to have a simple audition process. Yeah, well, I, 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 <laughs> I'm, I'm best at those. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you say the experience was like working on Veronica Mars? Um, it, it was it, it was interesting, and it was quite lovely. I mean, um, the tone of a show, whatever the project is, probably even a, a corporation, the tone is set by the CEO, you know? So we had Rob Thomas at the helm of our of our show here, and so everything kind of comes down from him, and he's got such a, a, a generous, warm, you know, fun, uh, funny... Uh, kind of persona that everybody kind of falls into place. And so the producers, they set a really beautiful tone on set and the directors that they brought in were lovely. Kristen, of course, is, was the central kind of the other leader of us. She was kind of the ones that was more, I saw her each day at work. And so, uh, you know, she, of course, has the incredible generosity of spirit uh, that she brings to the set as well. So, you know, Every, all the conditions were right for us to have a, a really great experience, and, and we we sure did. It was it was very very nice. Uh, you know, it's not something that I'll forget. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. Now, as you said, you were there from the pilot. Did you or any of the cast predict the show's popularity? Um, you know what, I I certainly didn't. I certainly didn't. Uh, you know, when I got hired. Veronica Mars. I've been hired to do a couple of shows before, a couple of pilots. I've been on TV a couple of times, and you know, I, I think I had a pretty jaded idea of of the process. Uh, and so I didn't. When I got the pilot script, I don't think I really knew how good it was. I'm not that good of a script reader. Sometimes I, I, I don't think I knew how good it was. I didn't realize how good the show was until it until I was watching it <laughs> on TV. And you know, it was about season one, episode seven or eight or so. I was watching and I was going, "Wait a second! This is amazing." I, I really didn't know it, you know, just kind of going to work each day and doing what I had to do. It, 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 I didn't realize that we were creating something that was going to become quite so special. Hmm. I didn't, didn't know it until, uh, you know, much, much later. Maybe others did, but I didn't. So what was an average shooting day on set like? Well, um, typically you get there pretty darn early in the morning, uh, you know, Mondays, if you're coming in on Monday, you might be called as early as like 5.30 in the morning on a Monday. Uh, or, you know, it gets a little bit later as the week progresses. And, you know, you get the, I, I always try to get there really early and, you know, you check in with uh, uh, the first AD or somebody on crew. Let them know. They send you the makeup and they send you the wardrobe and you get a little bite to eat and you study your lines and you say hi to people. And pretty soon they say, you know, 
come to set for rehearsal and then you go to set and you rehearse the scene with the director and with the director of photography and the other crew department heads are watching the rehearsal and uh, you kind of work out all your blocking and stuff. Also there, of course, are your uh, your stand-ins. And so you go, so then after you've rehearsed, you go away and relax, or maybe they put you in makeup or costume again while they light your stand-ins. Eventually, about an hour later, maybe they bring you back to set and they're ready to start shooting the scene. And maybe you have one scene that day, or maybe you have several. Uh, if you're Kristen, man, it's like that. She never had a minute off. If you imagine her schedule, she's not only in virtually every scene, but then she also has to record the voiceovers uh, that are so prevalent in the show as well. So I don't think I ever saw anybody work so many hours as, as, that, as that young lady. Uh, and uh, I was so impressed by her. Um, you know, she was... Uh, as I say, her generosity of spirit and uh, her generosity in a scene uh, with the actors that she's working with was, was something I I learned a lot from and I, I try to bring to my work and in part on the students I work with. Mm, it's always wonderful to hear that there was good experiences on set. Oh, very definitely. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, uh, I, I became really good friends with Jason, especially uh, Jason Doring and I became good pals and uh, you know, he and I can can uh, geek out about acting uh, <laughs> together. We still kind of do. I, I once in a while have him do a Skype session with my students in France because they're fans of the show too sometimes. And to have, you know, Logan from Veronica Mars come and do a Skype session with you uh, is nice. I, I think I might get Rico to do one this summer. I don't, you know, uh, he, he said he would. So we'll see if we can work out the, the timing on it because we're in Europe. But, uh, yeah, the, the people were just so nice. Um and as, as I say, it just it just it was really lovely. Uh, I, I became such a fan of, of all those those human beings, and like I said, I'm still in touch with uh, a couple of those guys, and uh, I look forward to getting the chance to chat with them and see everybody again. Hopefully, at the next movie. <laughs> <laughs> Fingers crossed. Yeah. Hey, my character's still alive, so I still want a sequel. Now, as you just mentioned, you did also work on the film. Was that very different? I mean, were you expecting that to come, I suppose, what, nearly 10 years later? Well, I, you know, it was kind of a, I don't know, a, it felt almost like a dream to go back and play those roles. I, I, I think I even, I don't know if I wore the same suit, I don't think so, but if, if everything felt quite similar. Oh, to see because you know the cat. You know, I I I played an adult on the show, and the the, the young people that are on the show, like Kristen and Jason and Percy and those guys. Now, you know, when we started the show, they were you know twenty or early twenties or something like that. And now we go back ten years later, and they're thirty or whatever. It's, now they have kids, maybe or families, or they're married. And it was great to see. Uh, I got to you know see and hang out a little bit with Tina Majorino a little bit, and I remember I just really liked her when and she, you know she's now a, a full on adult. She was kind of a teen when I worked with those guys, so it was really gratifying to see everybody years later, you know, uh, with their lives kind of their, their life trajectory, you know, a little bit more fully realized. Uh, and it was just really great to see everybody, and I'm still real proud of who those people are and who they were. Mm. Now, do you often get recognized by fans of Veronica Mars? Um, well, it depends on what you mean by often. <laughs> <laughs> you know, um, a little bit less than I than I used to. When, when the TV show was on, I would get recognized, you know, pretty regularly. Uh, now it's it's kind of 
a little bit more rare. You know, I look several years older, and uh, so I don't get recognized as much. I, I, I taught a class the other day for about 25, you know, teenage kids in Tucson, and two of them knew who I was. So that's, that's still pretty good numbers. Mm, it is. <laughs> now, some Veronica Mars fans can be fairly dedicated. Have you ever had a strange encounter with a fan? Well, let's see. Nothing too strange. You know, uh, uh, I know at the at the movie premiere in L.A., uh, it, that, that was kind of an interesting and fun scene. Uh, but I kind of kept to the, you know, uh, uh, yeah, it, it was an interesting and fun scene, but nothing too unusual. I mean, everybody's just been so lovely, really. I mean, just um, the people that love the show, as you can imagine, they're kind of great people because it's such a great show. So, uh, yeah, the people were always really nice. Nothing too weird or too psycho. I mean, just really kind of good people, you know, behaving beautifully and, and you know, I, I hadn't had anything too too crazy go on. Just like nice, you know, outgoing and enthusiastic fans. Well, that's always good. Yeah. Now, how would you say the acting industry has changed since you first became involved in it? Well, you know, when I first became involved with it, God was just a boy. So, I mean, it was, I mean, by that I mean it was a long time ago. <laughs> uh, you know. Well, I've changed quite a bit because, you know, the first number of years I was only theater. I never even thought about television or films. So I've, I've evolved quite a bit. In the time I've been in TV and film, you know, when I started, there was no YouTube. When I started, there was no uh, any of that stuff. There wasn't even Facebook or any of those things. So uh, the business has evolved in a number of ways. I think one of the main ones is accessibility. Now, I think the the medium itself of entertainment, if you will, and on a mass scale, is more available now to people who don't necessarily live in Hollywood or uh, or aren't necessarily you know don't necessarily have that like it quality that you know that uh, like that people might be expected to become a movie star. You can kind of do it a little bit more on your own. Another thing, I, you know, back in the day, like if you think about the, the glamour years in Hollywood, you know, like you could only get pictures of like Clark Gable or these movie stars of yesteryear. Like they were from publicists. But now in the age of smartphones and everybody's got a camera in their pocket 24-7, now we start to see pictures of people. So, you know, kind of being human beings, kind of being regular people. Mm. So... Now I think it opens up the medium to people who aren't necessarily A-list beautiful to say, you know what, I can do that too. Uh, so I think that's one thing that is diff that is a lot different. It's, uh, you know, unique and um, uh, out-of-the-box kind of movie stars can happen because it's not all quite so glamorized by the machine of yesteryear. That's a very good change, I suppose. I think it's, I think it's great. It, it kind of humanizes, you know... You know, you can find probably somewhere a, a picture of George Clooney looking unattractive, and that, that reassures guys like me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, what would you say has been the highlight of your career so far? Well, you know, there's been quite a few. Luckily, when you're in the theater, you have a lot of events. If you're busy in the theater, you might do three or four or five, like, shows a year. And there's a lo that's a lot of, like, volume, you know. And sometimes if you're busy in TV, you might do two, three, five TV shows a year and some commercials. So there's always a lot of, like, uh, 
there's always a lot of things to, to celebrate. I'm sorry, tell me the, the question again, Benjamin. A little, the highlight of your career so far. The, the highlight? Well, you know what? I, I, I have to say that I really love the program, the Barrage program that I teach in uh, France. I look forward every year to going back to this secluded chateau out in the countryside in France and teaching acting to you know high school and college age kids from mostly from the u.s by the way we speak english in classes there and stuff so it's for english speaking students and we get them from you know the united states and uh, from europe and england and sometimes france and singapore and you know belgium and other places and to go there and get a chance to to revisit young people and to see like their passion for the arts is the same as my passion for the arts when I was 15. You know what I mean? Mm. It is just such a validating thing to go and see and help, you know, they're trying to set the world on fire and we're there to fan the flames for them, you know? Yeah. And, uh, it's just really great, as, you, as I'm sure you understand, Benjamin, like the arts are so important for young people. Um, they're important for everybody, but to really like to open up the idea of possibility and ownership in the arts for young people, whether they go into it in the future or not, isn't even the point. But if you learn theater and acting, then you can give presentations at work. You can do be a public speaker. You need so many different things that can come out of that core experience. And every year I go to France and work with about 30 kids there. There's about six teachers and, uh, you know, it's it's the favorite thing that I get to do, and I'd have to say that even though it's kind of modest, it's also to, it's probably the highlight of my career. And again, I look forward to doing it again this summer. If your viewers are interested, your listeners are interested, it is high school and college age. We have, I'm sure, a few more openings, and they can go to Barrage uh, Conservatory uh, website and look into the details. If anybody's interested in joining us there, uh, I encourage you to look at, at the opportunities that, that we present. But we've got listeners all over the world, so I'm sure that uh, somebody might be interested, yeah. Well, I certainly hope so. And, uh, you know, you can find me on Facebook or through my, you know, websites or anywhere. Send me a message if you have any questions. I'd be happy to help you answer them. And, uh, you know, and this is, you know, for parents, too, parents of kids. Uh, if you have any questions about the program, contact Barrage Conservatory or find me through social media and or Twitter is another way to get a hold. Uh, and uh, I will do my best to, to help uh, answer any questions. Mm. And uh, also, why I suppose you know you're plugging your your courses, your a course in Phoenix. Where can people find details about that one? Well, I do have a studio in Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, it's called the Actors Workhouse. So you can go to actorsworkhouse.com. I think there's some uh, information certainly there. If you're in the Phoenix area, get a hold of us. Uh, let us know if you like to study acting here. We have ongoing programs, uh, on camera classes. We also do production. We have. Uh, um, audition sessions it's a nice central place for the active professional acting community in in phoenix arizona uh, and we also submit here uh, some of our talent in phoenix are represented in los angeles so we do submission videos for auditions and for network tv and stuff through our studio here so yeah that's the actors workhouse in phoenix arizona and uh, i have class in a couple of hours <laughs> well, uh, what upcoming projects do you have that our listeners can look forward to seeing you in? Well, thanks so much for asking. You know, I just had a film kind of thing that, that isn't happening. So uh, I don't know if I've got, I don't have anything right now that I'm about to shoot. 
I, I, I believe I'm going to work on a film in, in France this summer while I'm there at the end of my stay, but that's still up in the air too. So I don't have anything coming out in TV or film at the moment. As I mentioned, I am working on that musical theater project and I am going to I'll be teaching at Oxford this summer. You can also get information about what I might be doing there. Uh, so right now I'm kind of looking up to the summer and trying to plan the rest of 2015, uh, but uh, I still have some openings. Mm. <laughs> so um, you, you've mentioned you're on Facebook. Uh, would you like to give people your, your I suppose, Facebook address or your Twitter handle? Or Well, I'll tell you, on Twitter, please, you can follow me at Dwayne Daniels. It's, that's it, D-U-A-N-E Daniels. Uh, that's my Twitter handle. And uh, on Facebook, uh, check out Actors Workhouse uh, page. Uh, also check out Barrage Conservatory page. All of those things are totally accessible. Uh, get in there and check it out. Actors Workhouse is where I am in Phoenix. Barrage Conservatory is where I am in uh, England. Uh, I'm sorry, in France. And that's where I encourage students to uh, to come join us there for uh, at least a four-week and maybe stay longer. There are other options for longer trips. But come to our four-week program in Normandy in northern France by going to Barrage Conservatory and also check out our Facebook page. Wonderful. Now, finally, what advice would you offer to anyone looking to work in the performance industry? Work hard. Uh, be ready for your opportunities before they arise. Uh, be open to possibility. Say yes and choose love. Wonderful. Well, thank you for your very wise words and your time today. Well, I had a great time. Thanks so much for, for asking me, Benjamin. Thank you. That was my chat with Dwayne Daniels, and as I said, all the details about his uh, training courses and his website can be found in the show notes for this podcast. Now, I've had the opportunity to check out some uh, some great movies and some not-so-fantastic ones, thanks to Palace Nova Cinemas. Most recently, I saw the latest Tim Burton film, Big Eyes, and it is absolutely superb. Christoph Waltz and Amy Adams are amazingly talented, and Tim Burton's, uh, it's a very different Tim Burton film that's not nearly as creepy or as dark as some of his other films and it's shot brilliantly the script is fantastic and it's a five-star film it's it's its own piece of artwork so I do encourage you to check that one out and also thanks to Palace Nova Cinemas I've seen Divergent uh, the sequel Insurgent which is rather predictable uh, features some very bad acting and it's really just like a science fiction high-budget version of Days of Our Lives so I would not uh, not recommend you see that one in a hurry uh, also thanks to Disney, I went to the premiere of Cinderella, um, and it's a wonderful movie. Now, I don't think I was expecting that much from Cinderella, uh, but Kenneth Branagh's version is a colourful reimagining of the classic tale that, while adding some new twists and depth, stays true to the enduring fairy tale. I also, thanks to Palace Nova, saw Inherent Vice, and it's psychedelic, crazy, thrilling, and it's a mystery film. It's clever, but sometimes complicated, and does feel a little bit too long. And finally, I saw Chappie. Uh, maybe it was the casting, maybe it was the script, maybe it was two hours too long, but either way, Chappie is an abomination, and that's my very first zero-star review ever. So uh, I certainly don't encourage you to check that one out. But uh, now, thanks to Roadshow Entertainment, I've got a, a wealth of uh, movies and TV to review, and um, the first one is the Australian-produced Gallipoli. Uh, which has just come out on DVD after being uh, recently shown on television here. And it's it's powerful. It's sometimes graphic. I mean, 
the ratings on television did drop for it, and you can see that there's a little bit of reasoning as to why that happened. Some, some, after the first couple, the stories can, can get a little bit slower and repetitive, but it's still some very powerful viewing, and you know it's a story that does need to be told, and we've probably seen it before done a little bit better, but I do encourage people to check out Australian-made drama. Also out on DVD is Veep Season 3. Now, Veep is currently one of my favourite shows on television, and Julia Louise Dreyfus is fantastic as Selena Myers, and the show is still fantastic after three seasons, so I do encourage you to buy that when it comes out very shortly. Another one of my favourite shows, which is out on DVD this month, uh, thanks to Roadshow, is Nashville Complete Series 2 Part 2, um, which is the, the remaining half of uh, Nashville Season 2, which I love. It's got some wonderful original music and some wonderful storylines in there. And of course, it's a little bit soapy, but I do love it. And I will have a ton more uh, Roadshow DVD reviews for you next month uh, in our first April podcast. So I'd like to thank all my supporters, Rojo Entertainment, Palace Nova Cinemas, Mad Zombie Collectibles, and Mad Men Entertainment, and all their details, as always, are in the show notes. I've been your host, Benjamin Mayer McKay. See you next time.